0: That's a dreadful ball and Chelsea could be in here with Goff, who goes for goal and scores. Finds the back of the net. all right What a goal! Inspiration for Arsenal. From Thierry
1: Already. Medler. Lovely cushion header. But a
0: head! What a
1: head! The Ghost Goal Podcast.
0: Welcome to a special edition of the Ghost Gold Podcast. I'm Alex, here as usual to uh, recap the weekend's games. Obviously, it's Christmas Eve when we're recording this, so I'm going to try and get in and out as quickly as possible. Uh, it's a special episode today because I have with me not Javier, not Andrew, with my younger brother,
1: Hugo. Hugo, how are you? I'm doing well. Merry Christmas Eve. you. don't have to lean in, you know. You don't have to lean into those. Sorry, this is my first time. I'm very new at this, but I'm excited to be on the podcast. And yes, it's definitely a special edition. Well, if you haven't figured it out yet, uh, my whole family are
0: Chelsea fans. So Hugo, naturally, is also a Chelsea fan. We'll try to remain as a impartial and unbiased as possible and by that i mean we're gonna talk about the chelsea loss to leicester as yep. little as possible and we're gonna talk about uh some of the uh bigger results uh, that uh, happened that were more notable this weekend which uh, i'm happy to do because there's plenty of other games to talk about uh we'll start on friday night friday afternoon here in the states uh liverpool went to wolves won 2-0 with goals from Mohamed salah in the 18th minute and virgil van dyke in the 68th minute just overall, like a really impressive performance. I don't know. Did you watch this game from the no. beginning or anything? No, I did not. I didn't get a chance to. Just when we've seen Manchester City go and get a draw at Wolves, Chelsea go and lose at Wolves just a couple of weeks ago, for Liverpool, used to go there and just make kind of light, quick work of them. A goal in each half. Uh, good performances uh, from midfield. Obviously, Mohamed Salah is proving that he's can score not only at home at Anfield, where he's been like a consistent scorer throughout the season, but now he's going away and he's getting. Uh, good early chances in the box and he's taking them his efficiency this season I was talking with Andrew and Javier the other day about this and we can dive into it on another pod when we have more time but he's had fewer chances this season as opposed to like a higher tempo that Liverpool played last season but he's basically being just as efficient which is more impressive given the uh, the, the fewer attempts so uh, Liverpool sit top at Christmas uh, Yeah, eight of the last nine teams to sit top at Christmas have gone to win the league uh, that Ninth team that didn't do it was uh, Liverpool, 2013,
1: right. 14. So yeah, and that fingers was, crossed. Yeah, and that that was definitely an impressive performance from Liverpool from the standpoint of, like you said. Wolves have done really well against the other top six. They got a point off of each of the Manchester teams. uh, Right, right? at Man United, and then they went to Arsenal and got a point and probably could have won that Arsenal. And, And at this point of the season, when you're in the thick of it, there's tons of games coming up, and they're under that pressure of being in the first spot with Man City on their heels, and they're under that pressure to perform. Their ability to come out and just get a result is just very dominant over Wolves. It's very impressive. We're going to move on to a couple of the other games uh, and before we talk about
0: the Manchester City surprise loss to Crystal Palace. Arsenal got a 3-1 win at home against Burnley, which Javier picked correctly, the only uh, correct result that any of us picked this weekend. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang got uh, two goals in the 14th and 48th minute uh, before Ashley Barnes made it uh, 2-1 in the 63rd minute. And Alex Wobe finished it off in the 91st minute. Bournemouth then won at home against Brighton 2-0 behind two David Brooks goals. Uh, Chelsea lost at home against Leicester City. I'll just be quick about this because I'm guessing there's going to be a kind of similar performance at Watford on Boxing Day, a game that we'll get to like lightly preview later on in the pod. Chelsea overall played well in this game. The uh, The whole first half was pretty much dominant in possession. Uh, Leicester s- created barely any chances. Vardy was running around a lot, but wasn't really able to uh, stop himself from getting isolated from Chelsea's back line. So... Uh, despite Eden Hazard hitting the post in like a, a 1v1 chance that was gifted to him that I thought we really should have taken. Uh, Chelsea went in at halftime at 0-0, and a few minutes into the second half, uh, Leicester counterattacked beautifully. It was a bad giveaway by Pedro in midfield before uh, Ricardo Pereira and James Madison linked up well before playing Vardy in for the goal. There was nothing Chelsea, I, I think, other than the Pedro giveaway. The build-up to that was... Damn near per- perfect, and like nothing you can really do to stop that. It's just the fact that the, the, this lack of clinical finishing has just come back to bite us yet again, right. where it's not only that Eden Hazard chance I mentioned earlier, it was a Eden Hazard chance at the near post against Schmeichel later on. And then finally, the Rudiger header that was put wide, and the Marcus Alonso shot that hit the post right. it's just like oh there's a backbreaker it's just the, the shot that as soon as you heard the clang you knew it's not our day we're yeah. we're not winning we're not getting a point out of this yeah.
1: and that's why it's hard to make something out of this game because on the one hand we didn't necessarily play poorly you know I didn't watch that game and think wow we have a lot of different players like not in form I think the whole we were possessing the ball we weren't we were creating chances it's not like we weren't doing anything nothing with it it's just the fact that we didn't have the mentality to go on and put those chances away so it's kind of is it just the uncertainty is it the validity of sorry system that we're seeing here is it just one of those off results or this is like a longer term problem with our team's mentality and our ability to put games away games that we should be well the, the m word
0: mentality has kind of been thrown around a lot after uh, in these last couple of days uh, we saw antonio rudiger talk about maybe it might be a lack of mentality i, I think the way to define this is to uh, compare it to chelsea's reaction to going down 1-0 before this i haven't thought of chelsea as necessarily like a, a bad team coming from behind i think uh, we we scored goals late on in plenty of games early in the season and we were uh, making good on a lot of those chances but as the games have gotten so thick and furious, like you can kind of, see that maybe there's some kind of mental fatigue, but when we went behind 1-0 in this game, I wasn't really worried because I saw they were about to bring on Ruben Loftus-Cheek and Giroud, and I thought that could possibly help us. It's just that uh, what Sar- what sorry said, I think, hit the nail on the head best they didn't react as a team. They reacted like individually. You started seeing players start to take their men on a bit more when yeah. maybe that's not the best option. And you started to see the, the team confuse, having control of, the, of possession and playing a good tempo because we'd keep the ball, but the tempo of the passing was not the same where we were constantly working the defense and moving them. We were a little bit too comfortable sitting there and keeping the ball comfortably for ourselves when in actuality, probably would have been better to go on and try and push leicester at a higher tempo that's what sorry ball is all about we're just kind of scrap scratching the surface of it right now yeah. uh, but i'll move on there's going to be another difficult game against mid-table opposition the kind of game that worries you about chelsea uh, on boxing day at watford where uh, they lost 4-1 last season so yeah. fingers crossed about that one uh, we'll move on to huddersfield losing 3-1 at home to southampton uh, goals from nathan redmond danny Ings. And Michael Obafemi in the 71st minute before uh, Philip Billing uh, got a consolation goal in the 58th minute. The big result of this weekend was Manchester City's shock loss at home to Crystal Palace losing 3-2. Goals from Ilkay Gundogan to start the game in the 27th minute before Jeffrey Schlopp and Andros Townsend in the 35th minute. What a goal. That... Goal of the season, like definitely yeah. so far. I would be, I would be shocked if there was a better one all season. Yeah, it'll be in
1: the running for
0: sure. Uh, Crystal Palace made it three one in the uh, early in the second half with a Luka Milivojevic penalty before Kevin De Bruyne. Got Man City's hopes back into the game in the 85th minute. I just want to talk really quickly about uh, a glaring difference in the Manchester City lineup that I I don't want to jump to conclusions and say, hey, we were right here at the Ghost Call podcast. But a a position of concern, if there ever was any uh, troubles when, when it comes to injury or suspension for Manchester City, was always either Ederson in goal or Fernandinho in the base of that midfield. People underrate so much what he does. Not only in his energy and his uh, ability to shield that defense on the counter attack, but also his distribution is. It, it, I would argue it might even be better than like the likes of Jorginho, who's yeah. in there in, in Chelsea's system purely as a passing presence and is a complete negative, kind of a liability on defense. Fernandinho right. is the total package in that in yeah. that way for Manchester City. And losing or losing him, I'm not sure whether they were just resting him for the midweek game to come. But they played John Stones in there instead. Later on, they brought on Kevin De Bruyne and had him playing a little bit more at the base of midfield. But uh, there just wasn't the same uh, commitment to getting the ball in wide areas consistently and trying to beat Palace. Because Palace stood up to them defensively with Juan Bissaka on one side and Schlup and Patrick van Arnholt on the other side. They were amazing defensively and they took what few chances they had and somehow got (laughs) the first win I can remember at the Etihad Mm -hmm. for an opponent since... I don't know when. Maybe Chelsea, like two seasons ago. I can't. but Maybe Manchester United last year. Yeah. When they went there and won three two. Mm-hmm. But it's it, it takes a hell of an effort to to win at Palace, and I don't know if you saw this game, but
1: I it's one it. of the performances of the season from one of the bottom half clubs. I saw I saw parts of this game, and like you said, this just sh- speaks volumes to how important for Nindigno is because. If you're Pep Guardiola, you would think against a side like Crystal Palace, obviously they have people that can play like Zaha and Juan Bisaka, but bringing off the bench De Bruyne, Aguero, and Mahrez, right? like all three of those players, you would think that against a side like Palace, leaving out Fernandinho wouldn't be the end of the world. You'd think you'd be able to get the job done regardless. So the fact that that opened up a vulnerability that allowed Crystal Palace to get a result in a game that they really had no business winning just shows how important Fernandinho is to that team. The shocking
0: stat that you and I were talking about yesterday, as we were driving around, uh, stuck in traffic, doing our Christmas shopping late as usual, uh, was the expected goals according to uh, Opta stats. I believe yeah. when they were released, Manchester City I think had an expected goal tally of 1.6 and got got two goals out of the game, whereas Crystal Palace had an expected goal tally of 0. 0.4 and they scored three. <laughs> now that's that's taking your chances. Yeah. yeah? So. um yeah, maybe Chelsea just need people to start hitting bangers like Andros Townsend yeah. to uh,
1: consistently start scoring every again. Every team could use that. Yeah. yeah.
0: he's Actually, I would advise people uh, to check out some of Andros Townsend's other goals this season. He obviously scored at Stanford Bridge to make it kind of close. He also had a banger against Burnley where he cut in from the right wing and just curled it top left oh, yeah. on his left foot. Recommend it highly. Let's move on to, uh, real quickly, Newcastle and Fulham drawing 0-0. Uh, West Ham lost to Watford. At home, 2-0. Cardiff City were blown out of their own stadium by Manchester United Saturday evening, uh, losing (sighs) 5-1 to Man... (laughs) (sighs) (laughs) They're back, Hugo. No. They're back. No. Nah, it's just Cardiff. Come on, let's let's get into this. Uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, we talked about him and his uh, first game uh, as interim manager of Manchester United after Jose Mourinho's firing... They, of course, go to Cardiff and and run them off the park, play beautiful attacking football as everyone predicted they would. But again, it's just Cardiff, right? Should we be worried? Should, should we really be
1: worried? We, sh- we should not be worried because we know how good the players that Man United have are. We know how good their forwards are. We know how good Rashford and Martial and Pogba are. As soon as I started to see Pogba really start to dominate and take control of the game, and start muscling people off the ball, looking forward and trying to create every time he got possession, that's when I just... I started worrying because I know that the result, they're not going to score five goals against every team. They're not going to necessarily have that performance because it is defense like Cardiff. But if you think long term, if those players start learning how to play together and there's there's that squad. It looks like they know how to play together. Well, yeah, but I'm saying if if that squad's reinvigorated and has a new passion and, and their new manager is able to get them motivated, then that's another person to worry about in this title race, not just the top, but the race for the top four rather. See, I still think they're out of the top four discussion. You don't think they could could press up behind us, Tottenham, and uh, Arsenal and and compete for the fourth or fifth spot? I'd have to take another look at their schedule. It's going to look good
0: in the early part of the Solskjaer era because uh, I'm sure Ed Woodward thought of this when he uh, decided to sack Jose Mourinho after that Liverpool loss. The, The next two games after that were... Uh, at Cardiff and home against Huddersfield, who so they're going to play on Boxing Day. So those those are two pretty like good first two league games to have if you're an incoming manager, like getting accustomed to this team and trying to establish a more attacking possession style. But I thought Ole Gunnar Solskjaer put it uh, himself like the best in his post-match press conference when he said that he knew Cardiff, and most people know this, Cardiff are going to come out and try to make it a street fight like most uh, less talented teams will do they're going to try and score on set pieces, make it a choppy affair, limit the, the the tempo to the game. And Solskjaer just told his players go out there, put the ball on the floor, and just have fun with it. Go create, you'll love this. They'll go create your little triangles, go play <laughs> off one another and that third goal I think they will point to this the, these couple of days between now and the Huddersfield game and even beyond that and they'll say this is what we want to be where it's so the quick interchanging passing between Pogba, Lingard, Martial making the delayed run after making the entry pass uh, to Lingard. Yeah, to get on the end of that that, that eventual uh, layoff from Lingard and and slot it in the bottom corner. If they can replicate that against the majority of right. the teams less talented than them, those teams aren't going to be able to stop them. You, you just wonder if. Cardiff were a bit too gung ho. Maybe they like they thought yeah. we're at home. United are still a bleeding animal. Yeah. Maybe we can get after them and Perhaps. get a win. And, and maybe Huddersfield and other teams won't be as. Uh, aggressive in that yeah. way. So I'm still yeah. I'm still waiting to see a team that's really really solid defensively play against United and see if once they get frustrated, can they still produce that same uh, that. attacking
1: football? So obviously that is important in terms of they maybe they won't have many openings for their attack going forward against other teams that may be more reserved. But so far all we've been talking about is looking one direction. If you're thinking the other direction, that's where most of their problems have been predominantly in terms of their quality and their back line. When they come up against the better opposition, if they're able to find their way back into like the competition for the top four, do you think that their new, their new manager? So how do you pronounce his name? Solskjaer. Solskjaer, yeah. So if Solskjaer, do you think he'll be able to figure out that back line or get new players in in January, or do you think that will be their big liability? Because I feel like if anything's going to stop them from picking up steam, it's going to be their back line.
0: Yeah, the the tough one for me now, I could have seen them in January if they'd kept Mourinho. And this this may sound crazy, but I could have seen them going out and actually signing some players who maybe still believed in Jose Mourinho's uh, past resume that he talks about so much. But now that they have a, a caretaker boss in, How do how do you pitch Man United to that player? Do you say okay, we're planning on getting this guy or this guy or this guy in the summer? There's has to be the
1: players that are there. It can't be the manager. It has to be the promise of look at the players we have in place. We have a plan for the next season. So that's you, maybe the only argument. If they keep playing this way,
0: put, scoring three, four, sometimes five goals against lesser opposition, and putting up good fights against the top six—if you think
1: about it, Lukaku, maybe, yeah. uh, like Pogba, was a big influence in Lukaku going to Man United. So, so was Mina Rival. Right yeah, yeah, that, that's true. But <laughs> that, that, that money. but that just shows that money, the agents, and the other players—you know, who they know, other people that they want to play with—that can be important, very important factors in a player's decision of where he wants to go. Not only the manager. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to, it's interesting to see who they sign. Uh, they,
0: I don't really believe the, the Kalidou Koulibaly rumor that was thrown around. Nabuli. It'd suck. <laughs> I, I, yeah, you'd have to pay more than Juve paid for Cristiano Ronaldo to get Kalidou Koulibaly yeah. at this point. He's one of the best three or four center backs in the world now. Uh, let's move on to surprisingly that man united game was not the most high scoring game of the weekend Uh, 5-1 didn't cut it uh tottenham had to go to everton and absolutely pipe them (laughs) 6-2 a promising start for everton as theo walcott put them on the board in the 21st minute when everton looked like they'd scored a second goal through dominic calvert lewin it was disallowed due to a push in the back i was a little skeptical of that when it happened but Mm. i've since seen replays i can I can kind of see why they called know. it, but at the same time, I was thinking I've seen goals given for uh, way worse contact from the offensive Absolutely. player. <laughs> so, yeah. um, But that ended up not mattering because Tottenham decided to just go complete Rambo on their asses. They uh, took advantage of a Zuma and Pickford mistake in the 27th minute, uh, Hyeong-Ming Sun scoring the equalizing goal. Deli Ali then put Tottenham ahead in the 35th minute off a rebounded Son shot. Uh, before Harry Kane made it 3-1 just before halftime in the 42nd minute. Then Tottenham decided to come out and uh, continue to keep the pace up. Eriksen scored in the 48th minute. Sigurdsson got one back to make it 4-2 for Everton in the 51st minute before Son and another Kane goal in the 61st and 74th minute, respectively. The main issue I want to talk about with Everton right now is the fact that our main criticism of them, anytime they've come up against a top-six opponent for the last two and a half years we've done this podcast, and probably on other media forums as well about Everton, is they always shit the bed, it seems like, against uh, like certain top six teams. They'll come up and they'll, not get, us. <laughs> they'll get a draw against Chelsea, or maybe they'll uh, draw or beat Manchester United. They've even beaten Manchester City in the Pep Guardiola era. They beat them 4-0 at home. They're capable of some performances like that, but teams like Tottenham and Arsenal and, uh, and Liverpool, seemingly, because Liverpool had that shock... 91st minute mess up from Pickford that allowed Origi to score. They they just have this mental block where they just can't manage the game. Their their talent that should be you'd think somewhat up to the same level as Tottenham's uh, just seems to go out the window. And defensively they fall apart. I thought their biggest mistake in this game was just the the, the, the tempo of the game and the pace of the game was too end to end. There were too many opportunities. Yeah, like you talk about in American sports specifically pace of the game is a really important statistic for basketball and football i'm going to throw in my favorite baltimore ravens right now what the baltimore ravens have done <laughs> in football is managed to hold on the ball with the running game draw out drives and use up a ton of the clock to allow their opponents fewer opportunities to score the same concept applies in soccer when you're a defensive team with arguably uh, like a, maybe a notch below the same amount of ta- talent tottenham have but they needed to be careful in this game, like they were in the Chelsea game when they got the nil-nil draw at Stamford Bridge, and like they were in the Liverpool game when they almost got the nil-nil draw there. Instead, they were aggressive, attacking. It looked good in early spurts, but yeah. as they stayed committed to it and got lazier and more lackadaisical in the back, Tottenham just tore them to shreds. There's just yeah. there's no
1: excuse for it. And it, it's it then seems it's either two things. It's it's one of two options. It's either that they scored the first goal, like for. Correct me if I'm wrong. They scored the goal to go up 1-0. So when you said they, they stayed committed to it, why did they stay committed to it? If you go up at home against a team like Tottenham, why are you continuously opening yourself up, especially when you have the quality of a backline of Zuma and Keane? Like, it's not exactly amazing. You know what <laughs> well, I mean? Yeah. So and it's just like, I would, if I was Everton, I would be much more reserved once I took a lead against Spurs in that position. But it seemed like they just kept trying to go after them, and then it opened the game up into this shootout that is always going to play into Spurs' favour. Yeah, definitely. Uh, There are very
0: few teams in the league that I think could uh, keep up with Spurs in a shootout, Uh, Manchester City and Liverpool being two of them, I would guess. Uh, So after this past week, our score predictions table now stands at Javier with 11 points. He got plus one for his correct Arsenal pick. Andrew with nine points and me with seven. I'm, uh, I'm slacking. i gotta I got to get my shit together. You're trash, I, Alex. Yeah, I started You're out trash. so well. I
1: was up like two or three in the, in the early part of the season and then just... Yeah, I've been keeping my own unofficial tally right? for the season and I'm at 15. Oh, so uh, yeah, really? So I'm technically the go school leader. Yeah. yeah, okay, sure. Uh, <laughs> but if,
0: if you were at 15, it would affect our points because we wouldn't have many uh, points. Oh. So, oh. yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: I'm, I'm a newbie.
0: I'm yeah. sorry. Uh, well, we're going to jump down and just sort of list off the predictions. Uh, apologize if this is not the greatest uh, radio or uh, that Andrew would say, but uh, <laughs> I just want to get our picks out there and, and on record, basically. So uh, starting Wednesday, Boxing Day, the honestly, this is the Thanksgiving day of Premier League football. This is when everyone mm-hmm. is up, they're eating their leftovers from uh, Christmas Day. Hungover. Hungover as shit. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, just want to watch some football all day and the premier league has duly obliged there is a 12 uh, or a noon kickoff in england 7 30 a.m with us there's obviously the usual 3 p.m kickoffs uh, a 5 p.m kickoff and then a seven forty five kickoff. Oh, football all day beautiful gobble gobble oh wait no that's thanksgiving never right. mind <laughs> you said it was a thanksgiving for football so. yeah sure gobble gobble all right Fulham will host Wolves to start us off Wednesday at 7.30 a.m. Andrew has a 2-1 win for Wolves. I have a 1-0 win for Wolves. And Javier has a 2-1 win for Fulham, uh, with Renieri getting his men somewhat back on track. Burnley and Everton will face off in the first of the 10 a.m. games we'll talk about. Uh, Andrew has a 2-1 win for Everton. I've got a 2-1 win also for Everton, and Javier has a 2-0 win for Everton. I feel like we should be a little afraid of Everton's uh, psyche being a little affected by this. Yeah. <laughs> we, may, we may come back to regret this one, but uh, no one really believes in Burnley right now. Sorry, Burnley. you got to earn our trust back. Uh, Crystal Palace will host Cardiff also at 10 a.m. Andrew has a 2-1 win for Crystal Palace. I have a 3-1 win for Palace, and Javier has a 2-0 win for Crystal Palace. Uh, Leicester and Manchester City will also play at 10am. Andrew has 3-1 Manchester City. I have 2-1 and Javier has 2-0. One thing I want to quickly touch on with Manchester City is that a staple of this year and a half that they've really been clicking under Pep Guardiola is that they haven't had too many repetitive blips in uh, league play at least. They'll lose the occasional game like uh, away at Liverpool last season, went Mm -hmm. on another winning run lost at home to Manchester United, but they had the league wrapped up then. Right,
1: They're always spread
0: out, right? We've now seen them lose, uh, Was is it two of their last three in the league? Yeah. Uh, where they lost at Chelsea, and now home against Crystal Palace. Another poor result here against the Leicester City team that just went and beat Chelsea and showed really good defensive fortitude and commitment and uh, have actually just drew Manchester City in the League Cup, the Carabao Cup last week. That yeah. went to penalties, and it took penalties for a city to go through. Leicester will be well up to the task of, I think, playing without the ball. We saw it against Chelsea last week. We're, I'm not worried about them there. It, it's whether Manchester City allow as many chances from uh, from Leicester as, as we did. There, there weren't too many in the first half, like I said, but second half uh, we really, as we tried to get bodies forward to get back in the game, we really opened ourselves up. I so I. I, I I wonder if Vardy, off of playing against Chelsea on the weekend, is going to have the energy to play in another
1: huge game like this on on a midweek. Well, well if is not injured, would you assume that he'd be playing in that game? Yeah, right? I'm so, guessing he's back. So I think he could, he could make the difference there. He really could put Man City back on track. Because if they lose or draw this game, this could really be a tough sign for them, given how Liverpool's performing right now. Speaking of Liverpool... Uh,
0: They're also going to be playing during the 10 a.m. time slot. Andrew has a 3-0 win for Liverpool over Newcastle United at home. I have a 2-0 win for Liverpool, and Javier also has a 2-0 win. Manchester United will continue their journey under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, playing at home against Huddersfield, like I mentioned a little earlier on the pod. Andrew has a 3-0 win. Javier has a 4-1 win for Manchester United. And I have a little tighter affair. I have a 2-1 win for Man United. Like I said during that recap about Cardiff, I think Huddersfield will be a bit more conservative defensively, and they'll be able to hold off United uh, for the most part, and uh, maybe if a couple of set-piece errors or something like that will get United the win in this one. But I think it will be closer than that Cardiff game was. Uh, do, you, do you have any worries about them slipping up in this one, or are you still pretty confident in them?
1: Uh, I'm fairly confident in that. Are you saying they're back? Do you want to put that out? Uh, on no, that no, I'm not there? putting it out. It's one game. I'm not gonna put that out. I mean, out you don't there, ever come right? on
0: this pod otherwise, so you might well, as well just I put, can make put it I can
1: make any claim I want, but I'm really be known as a legend if you just say uh, right. United are back and then well, they just
0: come back and storm back into well, the
1: top four. Well, I mean I am not gonna say they're back because it is one game and what you're saying definitely has good logic behind it. I just think that like you said, they have an accommodating run of games. Solskjaer is an accommodating run of games back. Yeah, You know what I mean? They're not, they don't have any... Very not too, I think and, after this, they have to play the likes of uh, Bournemouth
0: and right, uh, but,
1: Tottenham. To right, but it. they have some fixtures where they can get their feet under them, figure out how they're going to play under him. And if they can get some momentum going, figure out a way to organize their back line, get De Gea playing the way he used to play, then I think that they should be back. But obviously, it's too soon to tell. What I'm more concerned about is the fact that you guys all have picks and I don't. You know what I mean? I'm the one on the pod and I don't have any picks... Kind of bullshit to me. <laughs> if You guys can't tell we're uh, we're doing this we're doing
0: this podcast after a, a couple of adult beverages. So uh, uh, yeah, I may have forgotten to give Hugo the uh, license to pick games this week. Uh, yeah, but, he, he did in fact. Well, you know what? You can you can throw yours up here on the Google Doc, and I'll post a right. screenshot to the Instagram right.
1: account so we have further D- proof. Slide in our DMs if you want my preview picks.
0: Well, no, no, no. I'm going to post them into the the, the uh, GoSkullPod Instagram account and Twitter account. Uh, Let's move on to another good 10 a.m. game. Uh, The last of the 10 a.m. games we're going to talk about is Tottenham hosting Bournemouth. Uh, Andrew has a 2-0 win for Tottenham. I've got a 2-2 draw, my favorite result to pick for uh, Bournemouth games. And Javier has a 2-1 win for Tottenham. I'm probably going to feel like an idiot for this, but I'm just hoping some sort of combination of... Coming off the high of this Everton away win and uh, the quick run of games afterwards, coming right up against Bournemouth, who are a pretty decent side in their own right, I believe in Bournemouth a little bit more defensively than I do Everton, which feels a little weird to say mm-hmm. because the the players both teams have are probably not as good on paper. Yeah, uh, you'd probably favor Everton in that regard, but. Chelsea have played Bournemouth twice already this season, both times at the bridge, both times have been hard-fought victories, In uh, once in the league, 2-0, once in the Carabao Cup last week, where it took till like the 83rd minute for Hazard to get the winner. So I've seen a lot of Bournemouth, and I've been really impressed with how they've uh, adjusted from this uh, attacking philosophy that Eddie Howe likes to espouse, and for these big games they've come a little bit deeper they've played a little bit more like nastily and 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 conservatively and overall i've just been really impressed with them they've uh, maybe they haven't gotten the results in those two games but it's uh, it's a far cry from the days where they'd play uh, super aggressively super high at the pitch trying to win the ball back with uh, players that you hadn't heard of the year before like adam smith and steve cook So they've got a few more good signings in. I I believe they can go and get a point at least off Tottenham. I'm I'm not going to harbour any hope for them to win against Tottenham. Uh, So moving on to the 12.15pm game in the Premier League. Brighton hosting Arsenal. We didn't talk about Arsenal's 3-1 win over Burnley because, (laughs) frankly, we didn't watch it. I was too busy watching uh, Chelsea during that time slot and obviously we didn't have Javier here to uh, recap that one sorry javier uh re- there's plenty of other stuff to talk about but wasn't that the early game uh, no uh, yeah it was the early yeah. game i just didn't wake Seven up for night. it <laughs> too damn early <laughs> 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 too
1: damn early.
0: i would usually wake up for it but we were out the night before right we were, we were. out in dc we were so out
1: out that was yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> we were we were really getting it in <laughs> getting on it <laughs> <laughs> on the sesh all right um yeah so they have a so a seemingly difficult game at Brighton down on the South Coast this weekend. Andrew was a 2-1 win for Arsenal. I have a 2-0 win for Arsenal. And Javier has a 3-1 win for Arsenal. He's, he's sticking on his 3-1 predictions after the that one, that one against Burnley got him uh, the point last week. I, I don't blame him. That seems like a pretty reasonable scoreline. Brighton, uh, especially at home, where they kind of have a bit more confidence in themselves to go out and, and attack even the top teams... Just the get- spaces <laughs> that leaves them behind. You saw what Eden Hazard yeah. did to them a couple weeks ago.
1: They'll just get they, dicked that much more. Yeah.
0: that Once you, if they make even the tiniest mistake, uh, Aubameyang and Lacazette and uh, even Mkhitaryan can really open them up and take advantage. Uh, so let's move on to the late game on Wednesday. Watford hosting Chelsea, 2:30 p.m. at Vicarage Road. Andrew is a 2-1 win for Chelsea, which I'm a little surprised by because I have I'm really 2-2, Alex, really. Losing faith in us. I'm a little down on us right now. Uh, (laughs) Maurizio Sarri's uh, come back to uh, questions about our goal scoring ability right now. Where uh, the Alvaro Morata is going to be back for Wednesday, (laughs) Uh, which that ought to do it, unless he has a really good sense of humor. Like I don't see why he's saying he doesn't seem to have any sort of sense of
1: humor. So that that actually would that
0: would be a a moment of the season if Sarri had answered, uh,
1: "Oh, we've got Morata back." (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and then just started laughing his ass yeah, off. Pure sarcasm. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. I don't exactly feel confident about this game. But then again, we've bounced. You know, we had that result against Spurs where I was like, "Wow, could this be the beginning of our downfall? Could this start, you know, a longer, more systemic problem where we just start uh, losing games or drawing games and not being able to come up with results? But then we turn around and we beat Man City soon after. So it seems like we're pretty erratic right now in our play. So. It's kind of hard to predict our results. We could bounce back from this very well or we could have the struggle, you know, the loss of Lester very recent in our minds and let that affect our play. So it's hard to tell with us right now. We're very volatile. Yeah, we're a Jekyll versus Hyde team uh,
0: is the, uh, the the favorite phrase of Javier on this podcast because you, ah, you, you never the, know what the, we're going to get from us. Is <laughs> that what he
1: used to you when Arsenal, uh, use, uh, when Arsenal were shit? All right.
0: <laughs> no, they, they were just hide. Right. <laughs> no, right. sorry, Dr.
1: Jekyll. Dr. Oh, Jekyll's no. the bad one. I didn't read it. Well, okay.
0: Well. <laughs> I don't read Goddamn much. Goddamn millennial. <laughs> uh, what, what do you, what, I'll, I'll, I'll allow you a prediction here. What's your prediction for Chelsea Watford? What do you think?
1: Uh, I think we take it 2-0. I, I just <laughs> a clean sheet on the road. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, no, I I think I think that we would we'll just randomly get this result and it will give us a random sense of security and confidence again in our system. We'll think, oh, we're great attacking wise, I was just, we'll bounce we'll bounce back. We're, we're gods. We're, we're, we're gods, gods, exactly. And then we'll just have another troubling result, maybe two, three games down the road, and this will really be what impacts our ability to finish we'll, top four or to We'll free. lose away at Crystal Palace yeah, in some, our next some, game. Something like that. Something <laughs> like that for sure. I I have no doubt about it whatsoever. But I, I don't see us Losing two games in a row to inferior opposition—I mean, a draw would be like would feel as bad as a loss in this game. It would. I think it we need be... a win, and from a morale
0: standpoint, absolutely we do. So the last game of the Boxing Day slate—I guess we'll call it the Boxing Day slate—is actually going to be on Thursday. They're going to wait till Thursday evening, two forty-five PM here, seven forty-five in England. Uh, Southampton will host West Ham. Uh, Ange was a three-one win for West Ham. I have a two-one win for West Ham. And Javier has a 2-2 draw. Uh, So thanks for listening to this podcast. If you're listening to this before the Boxing Game games, you're obviously listening to it on Christmas Day why (laughs) (laughs) why Merry Christmas go why go drink and be merry and hang out with your families but I I will thank you for listening to the podcast if you're listening to it later than that uh yeah good on you Hugo thank you for being on the pod with me
1: anytime uh I think I'll be back on regularly given how good of a job I did so well that's yet to be decided (laughs) we'll put that to a panel of uh, expert judges Uh, I have a feeling the judges will be Javier and Connor (laughs) and they'll be extremely biased against me no they'll be
0: Javier and Andrew the other member of this podcast
1: Okay, so, all right, Andrew. Not. I'm relying on you because I know I can't rely on Javier. <laughs> well,
0: thanks for standing in, bud. Uh, what, what? Throw your uh, throw your social media out there. unless You don't want the good people to know uh, at, where to find you. At
1: HugoMoss5 and on some social media that I haven't used in a while, at HugoMoss69. Twitter is that? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. But Twitter. Instagram HugoMoss5. HugoMoss. Why yeah. five? Uh, it looks like an S, so it's kind of like Hugo Moss. Wow, you're a snake. Like yeah, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a fucking snake,
0: Alex. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for being on the pod, Hugo. You can follow us uh, or follow me at ASMoss92 on both Twitter and Instagram. You can follow Andrew at Andrew Bissaro and Javier uh, on Instagram at JavierRev9. Uh, and of course, at Ghost Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Enjoy the games. Until next time, see ya. See ya.